Hello and welcome everyone. I am Kale Fleggy and this is the Made in Gainesville podcast. On this show, you'll hear stories and get insights from business owners and leaders from across the nation that have ties to Gainesville. This week, we'll hear from Nick DeCana, a third-generation operator of DeCana Ice Cream. DeCana distributes ice cream and frozen desserts across the Southeast and up to Rhode Island. Nick's grandfather founded the company in Miami in 1947 after serving in World War II and moved it to Gainesville in the 1960s. Nick and I will eat a few sangria popsicles and discuss his grandfather's experience during the attack on Pearl Harbor, the process to invent new ice cream flavors, THC-infused popsicles, and a hit product that went from national sensation to near disaster. Enjoy! just got out of World War II, he fought on the Pacific side, and he was from Pennsylvania, and there wasn't too many options in the workforce besides like steel mill or coal, and working in like the steel or coal, he was from near Pittsburgh, and he bought a Cushman scooter and just drove it down to Miami and started selling ice cream, and just by working his tail off, he kind of got... Uh, grew enough that he bought a property and started making ice cream um, in Miami. So you drove a scooter all the way from Pennsylvania to Miami? Yeah, with an ice cream cart, an ice cream box on the back. That's amazing. Why did your grandfather decide to start an ice cream company? I think it was because I think he really liked it. He kind of had a sweet tooth. I think he liked ice cream. I think it was fun. Um, I think my grandfather was like a real kind of had that kind of thought process where I like ice cream, I want to sell ice cream, I'm going to go to Florida because it's hot. It was probably as simple as that. Um, Sound logic. Yeah. In 1963, he moved the business up here to Gainesville, uh, Northeast Industrial Park, kind of right by where Satchel's is. And from 63 to 86, they ran it out of there. Um, around that time, we stopped producing actual ice cream on site. That's kind of how we do it now. Around 63 is we switched to going to dairies and getting the ice cream made for us by other factories to our specifications. You said your grandfather served in World War II. He was stationed in Pearl Harbor. Was he there during the attack? How, how'd that go? Yeah, well, it, well, Grandpa made it out. He was there on on the attack at Pearl Harbor. Luckily, he was off the base at the time. He was washing one of the colonel's cars. Or something. You know, it, was, it was a Sunday, so I think the colonel was getting ready to go to church. And uh, he was out washing the guy the car, and then right when he, he was washing the car, the, the planes came and attacked, and they ran, jumped and ran, to the, drove to the base as fast as they could. So luckily, you know, he, he survived that, and he went on to serve like in a couple more stints across the Pacific and came back. I got a question for you. Sure. What's your favorite ice cream of all time? Anything with insane amounts of chocolate in it? Mm. Some sort of chocolate fudge brownie, double chocolate. When I was a kid, I thought chocolate was excellent too. And I came up with the idea for Nick's triple chocolate. It's called Nick's triple fudge. And my grandfather <laughs> put my picture on an ice cream called Nick's triple fudge and, and had it produced. And the, like all the decals, labels, and everything made. And it, it was a flop. But how's it a flop? It's the best flavor. Yeah, I think it made my picture on it. I don't know. Something didn't work well with it. But the interesting thing is that one of my favorite ice creams right now 
is called a triple chocolate cone. We don't carry it. We, we get it every once in a while for a special customer in Miami. But it reminds me of my triple fudge bar. I, I, I usually eat a couple of them when they come in. But And I kind of associate my favorite ice cream with memories. Because one of the best memories I ever had eating ice cream was when I went to a factory in Columbus, Georgia. My grandfather we were on the way to a... Um, UF Auburn football game like mid 90s 95 96 when we were cranking and winning championships and we, we drove up to Columbus to a factory at Connect Dairy and my grandfather took me on a tour because he just kind of just did that he walked <laughs> and just walked around the factory and they were running our chocolate eclairs at the time and you know we have hairnets on and when you walk in a factory you have to put yourself in like a sandy rinse shoe thing and so we're in there with hairnets on, and my grandfather just reaches over in the line and pulls a chocolate eclair off the assembly line before it goes into the packaging in the quick freeze. And it was just like, when you eat ice cream, right when it comes off the assembly line, that's when it's going to be the best. You're never going to get ice cream better than right when it comes out of the, off the assembly line, out of the freezer, out of the machine. And I'm not even a big chocolate eclair fan, but it was that moment, because it was my grandfather, and he pulled it off the line, it was fresh. That made that moment like so special about... I always remember eating that chocolate eclair with them. You should bring the uh, triple fudge back. I think it's time. Maybe we yeah. do a little rebranding. Yeah, but put my son Taco on it. Taco triple chocolate. It's interesting because somebody around your age, when I usually ask them what their favorite ice cream is, is uh, the Choco Taco. Choco Taco is always a big, big hit with people in our, in our. Um, age range of like what do we call it are we zennials zennials or we're not we're, we're not. millennials aren't we I'm not maybe you are I'm old how old are you I'm 36 hey you're a millennial okay we're older millennials older millennials the older millennials the choco tacos are usually their go to what's your favorite ice cream so how are you navigating trends in the ice cream industry you're looking at you know ice cream consumption probably has gone down well, I actually have a statistic for you right here. Nationally, ice cream consumption is down 45% from 1989. But interestingly, during that same time period, obesity in America has exploded. You think maybe we're getting fatter because we aren't eating as much ice cream? Definitely. Um, but I also think it's interesting when you think about it. I think about these things sometimes. Is sometimes ice cream gets a bad rap. You know, Sometimes sometimes people come and see me. My, my dad's in really, really good shape and super healthy he just got back from two two weeks of skiing in tahoe and i probably would quit after two days but he's he's in great shape and he's ice cream every day um i'm probably not as in good shape as him by any means but whenever anybody comes to visit us that for the first time eating us he goes how do you eat how do you guys work in an ice cream business and stay you know stay fit i'm thinking well i don't eat 10 ice creams a day um i think that's kind of the problem is that Anything like anything, anything else, anything else uh, in moderation, ice cream is great. Like sodas, if you drink ten sodas a day, maybe one soda a day is a lot better choice. Um, but then, uh, when in these thought patterns I have, though, I think about you know, especially kids, because ice cream is kind of fun kid product. You see these parents that like really put their like they don't want their kids eating ice cream, but then at the same time, the same kids go to Starbucks, and then you get these drinks that are double whipped frappuccino mocha stuff that's like 800 calories with 
a million grams of sugar. So it's kind of like somehow Starbucks gets away with it, and it's it's interesting to see how there's a stigma around ice cream. And I, I notice it in the school market because some schools don't really want to deal with ice cream. Orange County in Orlando, they don't really want to deal with ice cream like they did 15 years ago. Um, it's not the kids. It's really coming from the district level of if they want to push ice cream or not, have it in the schools. Um, you see a lot of schools in Georgia because the Georgia schools, especially in southern Georgia, the ice cream for the principal is a moneymaker for the school. So the more ice cream they sell, the more the school gets financially. So I see orders going out for schools in Georgia um, 50, 60 boxes a week for elementary schools. And in Florida, you see a lot less. It depends on a lot the county. Um, certain counties don't um, have ice cream as a priority on their um, in their cafeterias. I know when you and I grew up, it was, you know, you could get whatever you wanted. Do you get to make new products? Are you involved in the designing process? Yeah, that's probably the, the most fun part of the job is, try, like you said, looking at trends and seeing where things are going. I have a couple things in the in the works right now. Um, some of it's coming up with your own ideas. Some of it's seeing what the other companies are doing and try, trying to come up with a, a competitive product to the, what they have. I, I brought some with me that they're probably getting in the, in the freezer right now. Those are a cookies and cream sandwich that meets the Smart Snack and Schools compliance. So that's taken off really well. It came out this year. Um, uh, a new ice cup we're coming out with, and we're looking at um, doing a whole new line of products that were just in, in the initial phases of designing. But yeah, I get everything down from the artwork to the formulation and everything like that. We get pretty, we're pretty in the weeds on that. Working with the factory, working with our graphic artists, and timing everything to launch. And that's that's probably the most fun part about the business. Have you tried, have you thought about getting into a higher end ice cream market, you know, like a Ben and Jerry's style? We experimented with Halo Top in 2018 or 2017. Halo Top was the number one selling pint in the country. And I think, I think one of the big companies like Unilever, which is good humor. I think, I think they were, they got a couple offers from the big companies to buy them out and they didn't take it. Now I think their sales have kind of leveled off because you got other competitors out there. Um, so it was, it was a pretty amazing success story for them. They came out of nowhere out of California, created a, a high protein ice cream that tasted good. And then it just took off great. Um, so we brought it in, but you know, our channels are schools and convenience stores and it didn't sell really well in the convenience stores because of the price point. People are looking for convenience. They're looking for quick, usually not very expensive um, so two or three dollars is kind of our sweet spot so they didn't take the buyout they didn't take the buyout I, I think you always take the buyout you always take the buyout <laughs> while you still have the buzz yeah when you lose that buzz, I mean, it's hard it's, you know yeah it's, it's easy for us to sit back and eat, eat a sangria popsicle and talk about it but you know I don't know what they were thinking but I, I would take the buyout um, probably thinking that they were going to keep growing and there would always be a buyout there yeah well I think they think you know the competitors just started to come up with their own <laughs> their own formulation 
They ate their market share up, so. Now, Decon has experience with a buyout situation. Didn't your grandfather invent a bar that competed with Klondike Bar? Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so my grandfather was really, he, he was on the front end of a lot of ideas, and he came up with an idea for a, a bar that was similar to Klondike's bar, but it was called the Husky. The graphics, graphics were sharp. I think Husky was a good name. And at the time, I'm not sure who owned Klondike. I don't know if Unilever had it or what, but I think Nestle bought it kind of protect protect the idea. I don't know. They never developed it, so they bought the, the the Husky bar from my grandfather, which was a really good deal for him. And I think Husky was just trying to protect their the brand so the competitor didn't pop up like that. So I look at some of the regions that have legalized marijuana for recreational use. It spurred huge complementary businesses. It seems like the legalization of marijuana is coming in Florida. Is that something you're looking into at all? It's something on our radar. Um, the idea of like alcohol, uh, these alcoholic popsicles, having um, you know THC infused popsicles. I don't. I, I don't see it being a direction I think is going to be. I think it's more of a, just a fun idea. I don't know if it's going to be like mass scale. I think you, you know what we've seen in the industry so far. Things are going to convenience, so you're seeing more like vape pens, the oil pens that people are using to, you know, and then when you see edibles, you see things that are like chocolates or gummy bears, cookies that are dosed out, so people that, either if they're medical or just recreational users of marijuana, they know that they can take, you know, they can portion it out the right amount so they don't take too much. Um, so yeah, you know, I think there there are THC popsicles that are being tested in markets like Colorado and California. I don't, you know, I, I don't see that being a, a big area of growth. I, I honestly think that the you know the best thing we can do is benefit from it is, is we're a munchie food. So if people have the munchies, we want to be there um, to capture <laughs> capture their. Cravings. It's kind of like the the girl in Colorado that set up a uh, a Girl Scout cookie table outside of a dispensary. And That's right. Like broke record sales. Genius. Maybe you could do an ice cream bar in a dispensary. Cap, yeah, a captive audience. Um, so yeah, it's definitely on our radar. It looks like Florida's going to be soon to be recreational for the whole state and. Um, there's something, something, you know, something to look at, kind of like we're looking at the alcoholic popsicles. Uh, let's talk about the Big Daddy Bar. This is a product that nearly blew your company up to a national level. You know, it was in big chain stores like Publix. I think I remember you almost got on Oprah, but there was a pretty big issue that you encountered. Could you uh, let us know what that was? Yeah, so the Big Daddy is a, a 10 ounce cup of ice cream strawberry chocolate vanilla cookies and cream it was quite tasty it registered on the nutritional for weight watchers at two points which is remarkable so so what what time period was this because weight watchers was was huge back when this happened right 99 2000 2001 that that stretch of time and that was right when more people were getting access to internet and there was you know word of mouth spread even faster than on chat chat rooms and stuff like that for Weight Watchers, so it just caught on that 
this is a two-point ice cream that tasted great. You can eat it, not feel guilty, and we were selling them. We were selling them fast as we could produce them. Um, it was kind of like the Seinfeld episode where they were eating the yogurt at the store and all gaining weight. Somebody tested the nutritional, and um, there was more calories in it than the nutritional said, which was kind of the the, the factory we had it made at. It was it was on there. It was kind of on them, but it was we, us buying it, us selling it. So most of the, you know, everything fell on us because it was our name on it. We were selling the product. So you were relying on a third party to manufacture the ice cream bar and then put on the correct nutritional label. So, you know, this wasn't something that was done intentionally. It just kind of blindsided you. Yeah, it wasn't intentional and it was, it came out, you know, it came up. It, it, they ran this test, and then we were, you know, was, uh, you can go online and read about it. It was, a, it was a class action lawsuit, and you know, part of that suit is that we we've taken extra step, extra measures, not just with the big guys, but with our products of taking our products to labs and getting the nutritional double, you know, tested, make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, so that happened. We rebanded the big daddy. I brought some samples for you guys to look at. It's selling really well. Uh, a lot of Indian trucks sell it. The cookies and cream is the best seller by far. Um, and I, you know, I'm on a, a, a international association of ice cream vendors and distributors. I'm on the board of directors. And as I talk to the people in the industry, they, they're they amazed that that my, my father, you know, who's, who took the business over from my grandfather was able to handle such a PR nightmare and also the you know the financial issue of all that product that we had that we basically couldn't sell, that he was able to weather that and come out of that. Um, he's, he's widely respected in our industry for being able to take that on as an independent ice cream distri- distributor and and do that. Um, that was his big that was his big challenge. Um, and like anything else, you learn from that and you make sure you double check everything and. You're putting stuff out there that, especially now with allergies and people that have nut allergies or gluten allergies or have celiac disease and they can't have gluten, you, you got to make sure your nutritionals are on point and your your ingredients are on point so people aren't eating things that, you know, are not supposed to and make them potentially sick. So you said somebody independently tested that bar to find out that the nutrition information was wrong. How did you first find out about it? This happened around the time I was still living at home with my dad, and uh, he had already gone to work that day. And it was around seven o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock, and the phone just started ringing, and ringing, and ringing, and the voicemails just kept coming in. It was still when we had a actual voice. What do you call it? Answer machine. Answer right? machine. <laughs> we still had an answer machine, and then I just clicked the button, and there was like ten messages from CNN, NBC, all the local news stations, national news stations. Um, he ended up going on CNN and talking about it because it really was a big fallout because um, we were in Publix and Albertsons and Winn-Dixie at the time and uh, I really look up to my dad for handling it the way he did and uh, coming out of it you know it was really amazing you know he had a lot of sleepless nights to get through that so 
And that's why we do the double checks. That doesn't happen again. That sangria pop was good. Yeah, I could use about five more probably. 